This podcast is brought to you by our patrons. To help support the show, visit patreon.com slash haveadrinkshow. This is your beer, liquor, and other beverage news for the week of January 26th, 2019. Prosecco producers caught manipulating their wines. The Russian post office could be a good place to throw a party. Asahi to acquire London Pride Market, Barker. Sierra Nevada appoints new CEO, eyes 5% growth in 2019. All this more on Have a Drink News. So, future reference, when you send a message, it makes a noise and cuts <laughs> all other sound, Casey. Audio. It stops It stops everything. all audio. <laughs> Sorry. I'm leaving this in. Send it in. Well, welcome to Have a Drink News. We cover this week's... Uh, welcome to Two Drunks. <laughs> <laughs> Look at the two drunks and two, and two family people. people. What is it? Uh, we need a thing for that. Two drinks, uh, a beard, and a baby. <laughs> there you go. The pizza place. Okay. Anyway, that's Brittany Lee Walker. I'm, I'm Justin Frazier. Yep. I'm Chris. I'm Casey Walker. Price, and the guy that just tried to talk over him was Chris Walker. <laughs> <laughs> this week. On Havadering News, Prosecco producers caught manipulating their wines from Vine Pear. Two Prosecco producers were allegedly caught adding sugar, yes, sugar, to their wines, a practice which is forbidden in the Italian region, Forbes reports. Although the Really? Produce- yes, absolutely. It's like mostly sugar, though, isn't it? But it's grape sugar. That's the key. Oh. Although the producers put, like, were Oreos. not named. They put I- Oreos in there. I wish. Um, I think they should have named names. Uh, they are reportedly within the tightly regulated DOCG classification of the Prosecco region. Sorry, I heard Dio, and all I could think of was uh, uh, Ronnie James Dio. Not that one. No. Only 25% of Prosecco production receives DOCG designation. Exactly how the unidentified culprits were caught is unclear. That's a really good question. Like, how did they figure out that they were adding sugar to the wines? Because, I mean, I figure it's a pretty complex process to figure out, okay, does this compound come from sugar-added wines or something like that? I guarantee it's somebody that's, like, ratted them out. Terrible joke alert. They just walked to the vineyards and realized that a whole lot of people were, like, in the press and were just going, like, sugar, ba-da-da-da-da-da. Oh, honey, honey. If the allegations are true, the producers will be, quote-unquote, brought to justice, Forbes reports. Adding sugar to wine boosts its fermentable sugar content, which ultimately raises the wine's alcohol level. Doing so indicates a producer is unable to extract the proper amount of sugar from grapes during production. Yes, those are impotent grapes. A reason for the breach could oh, be... Oh, I'm so sorry to hear about that. Casey, why'd you have to out those grapes like that? Like That's their own problem, man. We, we try to keep it in the vineyard, uh, but we're just airing it out. A recent reason for the breach could be pressure to produce more wine in that region, where short vintages have led to limited supply of ripe grapes. If only there was some explanation for why it was why the grape growing season was so much shorter and why the weather is so bizarre. And how that may have been able to lead to, uh, you know, 
less watery, more more sugar content in the grapes. If only. Mm. If only. <sighs> so extra sugary I'm just prosecco. Going to sit over here. Extra sugary prosecco. Come on. Uh, who's who's exactly complaining? If you're buying prosecco. <laughs> are you really wanting the driest of your uh... yeah you're not really <laughs> yeah you are though i mean that's the thing like okay so here's here's probably what happened some winemakers or at least two winemakers have gone out to their vineyards and their grapes didn't ripen enough to produce enough uh, ripen up enough to put put produce sorry enough sugar so what they're left with is an overly acidic uh too green because the grapes didn't get ripe Grape production. That's that's actually a good point because if they're not ripe, they're going to be more acidic and they're going to be kind of yep. higher tannins. Um, and so they'll juice them and they'll get some some liquid out of that, but not enough sugar. Mm. So how do you increase your production? How do you increase your yield of alcohol if your your grapes are now producing eight percent alcohol instead of what should be twelve percent alcohol? Well, you just throw a little extra sugar in there and hope nobody notices. But the guy that was in the field picking grapes that you're paying eight dollars an hour, he really? says, "Hey, that shouldn't have happened," and That's... goes and ratchet out to somebody else for fifty, sixty, seventy dollars. Let's <laughs> I talk have about said thousand, yeah. but let's talk but about it's Casey's probably fantasy 60, world. Seventy dollars. Let's talk about Casey's fantasy world where grape pickers are uh, paid eight dollars an hour. <laughs> That, that's you're, you're actually right on that side. It's probably closer to like four or five dollars. That's probably what um, uh, like the one driving the van there got paid. Yeah, you're paid like two dollars a bushel or something. Uh, yeah, as fast as you can. Sorry, guys. Um, or sorry, kids, is what usually is is happening here. Um, wow, got I dark. Kid. I kid. <laughs> um, so somebody rats you out and you get caught. And what happens when you get caught? They don't say your name. I don't get it. Like I don't get how Forbes got the story without actually just ratting somebody out and saying, "Hey, it's these two producers. You probably shouldn't buy their uh, prosecco this year." But either way, whenever the prosecco gets to the table, you really probably can't tell the difference. To be perfectly honest, I mean, it, there, there's something to be said about not adding additional sugar in there, but you probably won't be able to tell. So what? No, what brands? What what are the labels? What should we be avoiding? Exactly. What what should discerning prosecco aficionados be avoiding on the shelf? Prosecconados, if you will. Prosecconados. Yeah, that's a very good question. So I hope Forbes has a little bit more information, or at least is pressuring those folks who who have the information to kind of go forward and say, okay, let us let us actually publish exactly what it is that uh that these these basically cheap gates in the wine industry will be uh will be producing inferior wines well if you've got cheap skates in the wine industry we also have some cheap skates in the russian post office industry yeah it, uh, apparently in russia the post office is a pretty good place to go get a drink Woo! So Russian post offices are now selling beer in order to stay open. Russia is <laughs> yeah. that's depressing. Russia is rolling out. Let's also combating another problem that's really even more depressing. Russia Russian is alcoholism. Well, we'll get to it. Russia is rolling out beer sales at thousands of post office locations to modernize and raise funds for the post network, as well as to prevent poisoning. 
This is from the BBC. Or at least Wait, this story is lifted from the BBC. Huh? Are you telling me that that the Russian uh, post office industry's previous model of shirtless Vladimir Putin pictures was not doing enough for them? Apparently it wasn't. Everyone had enough. I mean, everyone's <laughs> home is wallpapered with it. Of that him, like, shirtless riding a horse right. through the wilderness. Uh, Russian Post Press Secretary, not going to try and say his name. <laughs> not going to work here anymore. Um, said on radio station that the Post plans to sell beer at 3,200 locations. Uh, he said the initiative is not only a moneymaker, but an important effort because over 1,200 people are poisoned by low-quality alcohol every year. What? This is like... This is like... Prohibition during uh, Prohibition in the U.S. So remember like, the news story we we're talking about uh, last week, where the guy had to have beer pumped into him because he had been drinking things that weren't consumable alcohol. <laughs> well, it seems like Russia has a problem with this as well. <laughs> the news just so- need to put very very prominent pictures and all the Russian liquids that just says not vodka. Yeah. The news surfaced nationally after uh, an irritated constituent posted on social media after seeing beer for sale at his local post office in Murmansk, a city in northwestern Russia. I imagine that's a place you want to have a stiff drink, though. <laughs> it looked like like Russian Post couldn't sink any lower, but it turns out they could. Uh, that's what was written. Recently, the Russian Post has endured frequent complaints, including uh, inefficiency and mail theft. The organization sees beer sales as a benefit to the post office and the public. Currently, low-alcohol drinks are available at several post office locations. Uh, residents of Moscow and other urban areas may be disappointed to know the initiative is limited to rural areas. <laughs> Oh, no. You mean you can't go to your local urban post office and, like, uh, no, let's get lit. <laughs> what does rural Russia look like? I feel like that would be scary. Siberia. Yeah, I was <laughs> I was gonna say, what does rural, rural Russia look like? As someone as obsessed, terrifying as you would imagine. As some, someone loosely obsessed with the Tunguska event, uh, it's not, not a good place. <laughs> Explosions happening for no reason that no one can explain. Yeah. Outside of somehow Nikolai Tesla is involved. <laughs> yeah, that's all they know. <laughs> like an earth-shattering event. All right, we're, we're not going to get into that, although there was a, really, things go. There was a mean, really good Stuff You Should Know episode on it recently. I mean, come on. Let's let's get into that. I want to talk more about Tesla. <laughs> you know. Not in this episode. So who's who's ready to go down to the post office? It, it just reminds me of the Eddie Izzard Wait. joke when he's talking about uh, when they were banning smoking in bars in California. And he was like, "Oh, pretty soon everyone's gonna be like, let's go down to the let's go down to the library. It'll be a, a wild, wild time. time. I don't know where that book is, mate. It could be anywhere. <laughs> yeah. a lot of them about. All right. Well, uh, something of British jokes, <laughs> British jokes, and uh, that part of the world. Yeah. Uh, Tokyo-based Asahi Group Holdings today announced a three point two, uh, sorry, three hundred twenty-seven million." Uh, Deal to acquire beer and cider business London-based Fuller Smith and Turner. Mm. Uh, we're getting this from Brewbound today. 
Financial details were not disclosed, and the transaction is expected to close in the first half of 2019. According to the BBC, Fuller will now focus on its pubs and hotel businesses uh, business, which is uh, accounts for 87% of the company's profits. Ah! Which is a lot. Yeah. <laughs> More than half. Uh, my, my my the little bit of math I've had has taught me that eighty seven is more than fifty. Indeed. Uh the press release announced uh during the deal, Asahi said that it would supply beer to Fuller's more than three hundred and eighty pubs and hotels in London and south of England. South of England, yeah. I guess just the southern bit of England. So, you know, London and the surrounding area. Uh, if you're in Scotland, apparently, screw you. Uh, Scotland's uh, got plenty of their own. <laughs> uh, the deal secures the future of both uh, part of our business, including the heritage of the Griffin Brewing in uh, Chiswick, which appar- uh, which particularly, which was particularly important to the Fuhrer board, Fuller board. No, the Fuhrer's board. <laughs> no, let's let's. <laughs> not draw <laughs> this is after after the blitz they had given up and they were calling themselves the fuller's board uh anyway the P- fuller chief executive simon emery told the bbc uh, as part of the deer uh, part of the deal asahi will acquire fuller's beer and cider brands such as london pride you know what i'm even from england and i feel like london pride seems like a bad name you just don't like the word pride. I mean, maybe. It usually is associated with the death of millions of people. Or LGBTQ. Usually the death of millions of people. Um, anyway, uh, Frontier Lager and Cornish Orchards uh, Cider Asahi will uh, receive rights to use Fuller's trademarks, although the UK company will maintain ownership of the brand name. Sahi will also take control of Fuller Griffiths Brewery in London, with, uh, where the company was founded in 1845. Nice, nice history there. Yeah. Uh, Fuller's opera- uh, offerings joined Asahi's portfolio that includes uh, previously acquired brands such as Peroni and Pilsner Urkel, which were purchased in 2016. So this, I like this story because it is something we don't think about. We we'll, we'll always talk about, you know, oh, AB InBev and Constellation Brands and, you know, uh, Miller Coors. And, like, they're just, they're the, you know, big elephants in the room buying everything up. And it's like, no, I mean, there are European brands and, you know, other brands throughout the world that are becoming this. Like, these corporations that are gobbling up everything, getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Because when you look at some of those other brands like Peroni and Pilsner Urkel being bought up, and Asahi in general, like these are all huge worldwide brands. Like these, are, that's not small potatoes. Like when ABM Bev buys up Wicked Weed, it's like, what kind of market share did Wicked Weed have? Pretty much non-existent outside of the, you know, a tiny bit of the craft community. Whoever could make it down to Asheville, North Carolina, right? So I will give you that the ABM Bev is the largest beer company in the entire world. Okay, so I will give you that, and. I'll give you Heineken comes in second. Mm-hmm. So actually, it's not. Um, if you want to look down for Molson Coors, you got to go all the way down to fifth place 
If you want to go to second, it's Heineken. If you want to go to third, it's China Resources Snow Breweries, which I'm assured that is the um, kind of the brewer group for all of China's breweries. Yeah, I was going to say that 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 name really rolls off the tongue, too. (laughs) Yeah, it's a joint venture between Miller and China Resources Enterprises, which to me sounds a whole lot like... Hey, we're communist, but you know that's just something that I'm I'm thinking here. Uh, and then Carlsberg is number four on that list. <laughs> Sorry, I had to stop real hard from going like the caverns. Oh no, Carlsberg, not bad. Asahi um, is number seven in the world's largest breweries. Oh, give them time. I mean, at the rate they're acquiring. I was going to say, they're only number seven. We can root for them, then. We're number seven. We're number seven. No, no. I don't really care for any of the beers that they make or now own. So. Yeah. And I think of Asahi, I think of uh, metal cans duct taped to my hands. It's a good way to go. But you know who may grow this next year? And beers that we do care for. Uh, Sierra Nevada. Some news. Um, so, brewery founder... Ken Grossman named former chief operating officer Jeff White to the position last October uh, to um, the new CEO position. Sorry. Uh, The California headquartered brewery confirmed this to Brewbound. Uh, (laughs) Grossman, who had served as the craft brewery's only CEO since the company opened in 1980, has transitioned into the role of chairman. So uh, Jeff White was hired by Sierra Nevada as a systems integration director. That's a interesting title in 2013 he previously worked for more than four years as the senior director of strategy and operations for miller Corps' craft and import division Ooh. Uh, he had also held the coo title at boston beer company for 18 years before joining miller Corps. guy's got a good resume (laughs) i want the position of director of strategy and operations that seems like a fun job (laughs) casey speculation it's a lot less civilization than you're thinking. Oh. <laughs> it's uh, more, more Civ 2, not Civ 6, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Sierra Nevada Chief Commercial Officer Joe Whitney told Brewbound that White will bring a fresh perspective and remain focused on growth. I would hope so. Uh, nevertheless, Grossman will remain active in the company uh, and be on the board. The board consists of Grossman, his wife Katie, and their children, Sierra, Brian, and Carrie. And oh my God, their name is Sierra, and it's Sierra Nevada. Okay, of course, yes. <laughs> he named his daughter Sierra. Come on, if if uh, yeah, no, Sierra. when you go on the Sierra Nevada tour, they, they they make sure to point out one of them, one of their name, one of the children's names is Sierra. You're like, oh, that hurts. I don't know. It's like saying Jim feel- Cook has a son named Sam. <laughs> Samuel. Weird. He has two he has two sons. Samuel Thank and Adam. <laughs> one named Sam and one named Adams. Yeah. <laughs> this is not right. Oh jeez. Okay. Uh so White takes over a company that narrowly returned to growth in 2018 after two consecutive years of mid single digit declines. According to Whitney, Sierra Nevada's sales increased 0.2%, which amounted to about 25,000 cases. Uh we have a quote here from Whitney said, when you, t- uh, when you look at the top craft players, it's just really tough for everybody. And I don't think anyone is really having a great time of it. Yeah, that's about right. Um, 
says uh, there's a couple of folks seeing some nice growth from distribution gains, but when you look at growing brand velocity in a really competitive category, that's just getting more and more crowded every day. It's really tough sledding. So to come out of that just a hair above the Mason-Dixon line was a pretty good thing for us. Sure. <laughs> um, Below this point, Sierra Nevada sells slaves. Wait, what? Like it's, that was a really weird quote to have. But. I want to get like get real into that and be like, oh, so the only brewery real close to the actual Mason-Dixon line is like Dogfish Head. Mm. <laughs> uh, but so uh, Sierra Nevada finished 2018 as the 10th largest beer company in the U.S., according to market research firm IRI which tracks category-wide sales at major off-premise retailers. Sorry, category just made me think of hurricanes, and I'm like, wait, Sierra Nevada is what What category hurricane? Five? <laughs> A beer cane. Uh, maybe five, yeah. Um... Okay, so this is actually uh, a smidge longer than I thought it was. So we're not going to go through the entire article, but basically, uh, they're they have a new CEO, uh, Jeff White, and they are hoping to um, really ramp up sales. Um, as they said, they 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 look at five uh, percent growth for 2019. That is the goal. Well, I like in here. So this is exactly what I was thinking: is they credit their uh, return to growth from losses. To what we, when we did our little uh, hazy tasting, went through the, all mm-hmm. the nationally available New Englands and came to the conclusion that hazy little thing from Sierra Nevada was the best one nationally available. Like, it's the closest to what the style is actually supposed to be that's nationally right. available. Mm-hmm. And that's what they are crediting this to, is that beer. But it's not super hazy. <laughs> it's not super hazy, but it has the mouthfeel. It has the flavor. It has all the aromas. It's just, it's just a hazy little thing. Not, no, it little looks thing. like it should be a little hazy thing. <laughs> Words are reversed there. <laughs> also, uh, uh, it says, uh, sorry, they, they bring up a, a different kind of a different beer. Um, attitudes year round lineup. Okay, I don't remember ever seeing this this beverage. So uh, Sierra Vesa. Yes. Yeah. Yes. With, I want to try this. Uh, it's it says, out. It's their um, so, the company instead of Ultra Vase, You've got Sierra Vase. So they're they're adding um, to, to the 2019 um, year round lineup. It says. Um, oh no, sorry. They have a spring seasonal, which is the Brute IPA. Eh, eh. Um, mm-hmm. Episode to come on that. Uh, <laughs> but uh, they're also adding to its year round lineup the. So Sierra Vesa, which is a Mexican style lager, uh, interesting uh, can art on that one as well. But yeah, that I I'm intrigued to try that. So yay for them for at least still trying to do a different stuff, I guess. So yeah, if you look at the the picture they put on the article, this kind of pinpoints it all. So the Sierra Nevada Pale Ale, that's like one of the beers that started the craft movement, and everyone still to this day goes back to it. You know, is it's like the it's the brewer's beer, like it is just it's the kind of pinnacle pale ale. That's what then, the brewers drink? Yep. And then you had Hazy what? Little Thing it's, came in riding. What brewers crave? Hazy Little Thing came in riding the haze craze, and it was actually a really good beer. No, it did not have the haze to it that all the others did, but it had it had <laughs> the actual taste and everything else to it. Because all if the you others got the word haze in your name, you better. So they should, enough. So should they have they, taken the new Belgium route and? Use hefeweizen yeast. Yeah, make it hazy, but you're like, this is this is not what you're God like, intended. <laughs> you're like, why is my New England IPA banana y? <laughs> Call it right. a New England IPA. But if you are gonna say hazy, don't don't 
not be hazy. Either way, so the new beer is, you guessed it, like a cerveza, and it's for the, called. the general community. Like, that is something to hit that any beer drinker will pretty much like. You could be a, you know, Bud Miller Coors fan, and you're probably going to like that one. Because that's everyone else is reaching out with loggers now, and this is their offering. Now, did, uh, Brittany, did you, uh, I may have not heard this. Did you talk about the digital and page social media ads that they'll be putting out? Uh, I did not. Um, I Ten probably, I million dollars in advertising. Oh, Lord. Yeah, they're, they're... That's ABM Bev money. I mean, I think Sierra Nevada's big enough for that. I mean, that just makes Oh, they sense. are. Yeah. That's like maybe a, a percent or two of what their sales actually are. So, yeah. yeah, and they're talking about they're doing a complete package uh, repackaging for the pale ale and all this stuff, and a lot of brewers are doing that. We should have also thrown in the story this week, uh, an interesting one, if you want to find the picture of it. The Dogfish is rebranding 60-Minute uh, IPA, the new packaging. There's going to be a uh, – the Craft Brewer's Seal is going to be taking up a third of the packaging Jesus. for the new 60-Minute IPA for, like, the uh, 12 packs and bigger. It's just gigantic go. on the side of it. <laughs> Make sure they know. Call them out. <laughs> Oh, uh, uh, uh. you know who else should be called out? I think the Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta should be called out for having two cheap hot dogs and beers for the Super Bowl. Too cheap or just too two cheap. items? That too cheap. Are cheap? No, they have. They're not jacking the prices. That that deserves applause. A round of it applause. Does. Slow clap for Mercedes-Benz Stadium or not. <laughs> I've been to a few conferences outside of the stadium. Like there's the conference center. And then as you leave the, the conference center, the, the road that leads you there goes right around. Um, it's, I mean, it's at the end of the, it's probably, uh, probably less than a block and a half from where CNN records is where the Mercedes Benz stadium is. And as you go by, it is the most beautiful. Like it, it, it looks like a Mercedes Benz, the outside of the stadium does. But you're not going to be paying Mercedes-Benz prices when you go and buy your hot dog at $2 or you buy your beer at only 5 bucks. So fans coming to see the Los Angeles Rams face the New England Patriots. Yes, if you're like me and didn't know until just now that's who's playing in the Super Bowl this year. You can watch those two teams at Super Bowl L-I-I-I, whatever that means. Will, uh, 12, and, I think. Yeah, 12. Something <laughs> yeah, like we're that. only to the 12th. 43? I don't know. 53? What's an L? You may be paying thousands for your ticket, but at least you'll only be paying $2 for a hot dog and $5 for a beer inside the stadium. Atlanta's Falcon president and CEO, Rich McKay, well, he's rich, so he doesn't have to charge these prices. He reiterated the stadium would have its fans' first menu pricing for the 75,000 spectators attending the Super Bowl on February 3rd. Just like at a normal Falcons game at the stadium, concessions will feature 12 popular foods and beverage items, including five-buck cheeseburgers, $3 nachos with cheese, and $2 refillable soft drinks. Lower prices than any other major professional American sports venue, plus no taxes that uh, the taxes are included in the concession prices. So that two dollar Coke actually costs you, you know, like a dollar and ninety cents, something like that, depending on what was, the taxes are in Atlanta. 
Well, I was going to say whatever it is you have currently in your pockets when they take your identity. <laughs> Maybe. Um, so, if you pay two bucks for a hot dog this year, what was it last year in Minneapolis when you bought a hot dog? That was six bucks. And a beer? Yes, you're right. It was a dollar and ten cents less per twenty ounce beer at Mercedes-Benz Stadium than it is at last year's stadium. So increasing the prices based on the magnitude of the Super Bowl was never an option, McKay said. We said this in our negotiations with the SEC, the College Football Championship, the Super Bowl, and the Final Four. What we basically said is every customer that comes through the door is our customer. McKay said in a phone interview, we want to treat all those customers that that are uh, we want to treat all those customers the same and give them the same experience in food and beverage. What was interesting with the SEC negotiations, the late commissioner Michael Slive kept telling me, "Hey, I want a provision in the contract that talks about the pricing and prohibits you from being able to raise prices for our game." Talking about the SEC. Um, and I said, "Commissioner, we want the same provision." It's interesting that we have a common goal yet two different mindsets. So, $2 Coke, $2 hot dogs, $3 waffle fries, $5 Bud Light draft beers, $6 chicken tender baskets, uh, $4 refillable cup. Um, that's a souvenir cup, even though you can get the $2 cup refilled. $2 pretzels, $2 waters, $2 popcorns, $3 pizzas, and $5 cheeseburgers. I mean, still, they're trapped in the place, unable to leave at whatever price they set for it. It's like, yep. Eh. The people are going to pay it, but it's good they're not going to gouge them. Well, I mean, you, you've got two options. You can either eat before the game and get in there because you got your seat. You got your ticket. You paid two grand yeah. for a ticket. You've got your seat there. So you could go and eat before the game. And then once you get to the game, you could just focus on the game and not go out to eat. Or you could actually pay a decent price for a hot dog or call over that uh, that guy who uh, brings you over a beer in the actual sta- stands and pay five bucks for it. I mean, I'm just saying I don't want any more hot dog vendors to die because you decided to order hot dogs. Listen, you may pay two bucks for the hot dog, but it's seventy-two dollars for the ketchup. <laughs> sure, well, that's what you get. It for brings me back to uh, the old, the old game. Um, uh, what was it? The the the, the park tycoon. Oh, oh I was going to say, uh, is it is it wine or is it Pringles? But <laughs> no, no, no. The the theme park tycoon. The, roll, and the, the key to tycoon. that game was to not have ends on your loop-de-loops, so everyone was very excited to get on there. Like, yay! And they died. They, didn't ha- they weren't alive to, to, press, to put bad reviews against you. No, no, no. Here it is. You give away the fries for free <laughs> with 300% salt on them, but you charge $72 for the Cokes. <laughs> you know where most of my theme parks were located, though? Uh, I, not at a Pringles facility, Texas. Mm. Okay. Where Sorry, our next I, story comes from. I, I was trying to find a good segue, and well, deep in the heart of Texas, they have uh, they have wine from Pringles can. It's now officially a thing. The uh, Star Telegram is reporting, saying the internet is currently three Pringle cans to the wind. Oh, it's going to be one of these stories. Uh, punch drunk in love. Oh, God, that's two in the first sentence. I haven't gotten to a period yet. I'd like to see the rest of the Star Telegram's uh, articles out there. 
Punch Trunk in love with the idea of sipping wine from sleeves of chips after un- an unidentified woman was banned from Wichita Falls, Texas, Walmart last week for drinking around the parking lot in an electric shopping cart with her choice of drink, according to KAUZ. So everyone and- has assumed that she was it was the wine was poured into the container and she was just drinking it out of that. I'm still of the mind that she had the bottle slid down into the sleeve of Pringles. I mean, it depends on the size of the Pringle and the size of the bottle. <sighs> Indeed she, it does. She had been reported uh, at it, Pringles can in hand, since 6.30 a.m. The Wichita Falls Time record reported, uh, police were called into the Walmart parking lot uh, along the southbound Interstate 44 at about 9 a.m. So they weren't fast in responding. In fairness, if you're told, hey, there's a lady drinking in the parking lot, you're probably not going to be on your uh, your speediest game. Yeah, he don't really want to deal with that. Well, the one was never arrested. Wichita Falls police confirmed to Mulcahy at the time, but her actions have since inspired internet dwellers to mass tomfoolery. Shenanigans, if you will. Uh, one food and uh, food writer over at Food and Wine took a deep dive in the Pringles can, swimming uh, pool full of wine, offering the following no before you go style tips. Uh, you should definitely bump up, uh, dump out the chips because you don't need to rinse out the can. The author says because it's going to smell like Pringles regardless. Uh, his resp- his experiment for science, they're clear to point out, also show that Pringles cans pretty much are, are pretty much waterproof uh, from the inside out, and the plastic lid also does a fair job of holding the liquid in the can. So your next wine from the Pringles can party might not be as messy a proposition as you think. Touche. Get some so, sour cream and onion cabernet. So what oh. I want, I want to see the brave soul who's uh, figuring or trying all the possible combinations. All the Pringles flavors currently in production with all the types of wine and trying all, like, what are your, what are the combination possibilities? Like, what is it, how many <laughs> Pringles your cans? Your sour cream and yet, uh, sour cream and onion and Cabernet Sauvignon. The no, bar- no, no, Barbecue no. Chianti. Your no. Uh, no, no, sweet no, 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 Asian no. teriyaki, uh, whatever. No, no, no. You all have it wrong. <laughs> what? I'm sorry. You gotta do. A Shiraz or an Old Vine Zinfandel with pizza. (laughs) (laughs) The uh, then down in Houston, a bar uh, called The Branch in Franzia Box Wine served in many Pringles cans event Wednesday. Uh, it has made enough noise that a bar owner in the local TV Thursday afternoon wrote in on Facebook post where he planned to serve up frozen Betty White Russians to celebrate the famed actress's 97th birthday. What is wrong with people? I was really afraid that sentence was going to end Betty White's death. No, it's constantly the thing. Anytime uh, a celebrity dies, that's when everyone's like, has someone checked Betty White today? 97? Yeah. She I know. Is, 
she is killing other celebrities to take their life. She's Good drinking, for her. Drinking their youth. <laughs> the rest of those celebrities don't deserve it like she does. Uh, on the same night, the Pringles and Friends fans were trying one in Houston. Facebook users planned a meetup to drink wine from a Pringles can in Austin in a uh, in an Austin Walmart parking lot. Or maybe they did it. The event was started as a joke, and thousands of others clicked. I'm going as a joke for plausible deniability. But three guys really showed up to their own uh, Pringles can uh, and stood in the parking lot and drank, according to KVUE. How does it pair? The reporter on the scene asked one of the three gentlemen who appeared to be favoring his wine with salty remnants of a st- stack of sour cream and on- onion Pringles. Uh, quite well. The man answered, it's fantastic. <laughs> Is yeah. it bad that I'm picturing the Instagram of this already? So, oh, no, they're out there. They're <laughs> everywhere out there. Um, uh, Instapring. Th- oh, good. I think you can do a Zinfandel with uh, sour cream and onion. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, you no should takers. not do any of it and no should really start evaluating your life decisions. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Uh, on that note, we, we always seem to end on the best, best possible thing. Uh, mm-hmm. We'd like to remind everyone that this is our news-only show, but we also do a weekly long-form show discussing the science and history around what you drink. Wow, I, I read that without actually reading that. Uh, I'll. <laughs> if you like what you hear and want to support, have a drink. Please go to Patreon.com/slash Have a Drink Show. We will see you again next Saturday, 7.30 p.m. Eastern. Once again, I'm Brittany Lee Walker. I'm Justin Frazier. I'm Christopher Walker. And I'm Casey Price. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Club hopes you have enjoyed this broker. <laughs>